So last week we got all fancy pants and uh, went into a bunch of AI stuff and watched the great train robbery and all these different old obscure film clips and things. This week is very much the opposite. This week is going to be a real light week. I don't even know quite what there is to say about this show. I guess we'll see. But uh, that guy, Random Lad, who has pointed us to some various old shows like uh, The Duck Factory with Jim Carrey. I was just like, ah, oh, let me go back through some of his stuff that he left comments about. Like, hey, have you heard of this show? You heard of that show? And he brought up this show called Quark that is a 70s sci-fi show. When we were doing that run of watching 70s sci-fi shows, you know. And uh, it was made by the guy who did Get Smart. And Get Smart's a pretty, pretty classic show. You know, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I have fond memories of that. It was rebooted a million times. I think, you know, they made a movie as recently as like 2008. So that one, that was his big, that was his Gilligan's Island. And then his It's About Time, you know, his other show that nobody remembers was this show called Quark. So I was like, I don't know, let me just take a quick gander to see what this is. And let me show you the first image I saw of this show where I was like, oh yeah, we got to watch that show. So I went to the Wikipedia page and this is the first thing I saw. This 70s space commander man. And With his, two babes. Yeah, his two. Richard Benjamin and the Barnstable twins in NBC's Quark. Yeah, these two blonde twins. Not quite in bikinis, but basically. But like, basically, <laughs> yeah. The go-go pants and the little hot pants. Yeah. Or the go-go boots and the little hot pants. And the little brassiers that barely cover those, but they've got long sleeve long sleeves in them. Meanwhile, this guy, I mean, you know, you could set a watch by this guy's haircut. He's the most, he's the serious commander. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Richard Benjamin is quite a, a well-known movie actor from these days. Not necessarily, is this, this is TV, right? Yeah. Yeah, not a TV actor, but uh, I can't think of anything that he'd be in, but he was very well-known. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, just because that's such a stereotypical, like if you were making a joke about TV in the 70s. You that, know. That, that's the image. <laughs> yeah, it's like a parody of itself. And it is a comedy show, to be fair. So maybe they're self-aware of how absurd that is, or maybe that's just the 70s. See, I didn't even really take notes for this because there's so little. I mean, this is it. Quark is a 1977 American science fiction sitcom starring Richard Benjamin. The series was canceled in 1978, so uh, eight episodes. Quark was created by Buck Henry, co-creator of the spy spoof Get Smart. And the plot is the show set on a United Galaxy sanitation patrol cruiser, an interstellar garbage scow operating out of the United Galaxy space station Perma-1 in the year 2226. Adam Quark, the main character, works to clean up trash in space by collecting space baggies with his trusted and highly unusual crew. Quark draws heavily on Star Trek as a source of parody. In its short run, specific episodes also satirize such science fiction as Star Wars, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Buck Rogers, and Flash Gordon, which I always forget that those are two different things. <laughs> They're not the same thing. And three of the episodes were direct parodies of Star Trek episodes. So, I mean, that's it, you know? And then they got each episode, they got a little breakdown. Oh, it did win one Emmy, one Emmy nomination for costume design, which, hey, you can't argue that. <laughs> I mean, look at those, look at those ladies. <laughs> yeah, and Random Lad said that he, uh, he has more or less fond memories of this show, although he did say the first episode is not, you know, doesn't put its best foot forward, which is unfortunate because we have to watch the first one. But I got the first one and the last one. But what reminded him of it is they made a reference to this in that show Breaking Bad, 
which went right over my head. I didn't even notice that they had ever referenced this in Breaking Bad. But if you knew the show, you know, people were like, oh, Quark, right? I haven't thought of that since... Uh, 1978. Was, yeah, since April 1978 <laughs> when it was canceled. So, uh, you know, I think probably what's going to happen. I mean, we've been down these dark corridors before of weird old space shows from the 60s and the 70s that are not Star Trek. It's generally not a great time. And also shows like It's About Time that had a, f- a famous uh, antecedent. Is that the right word <laughs> when it comes before? And, uh, and then they themselves are totally forgotten and were immediately canceled. You know, that's what this is. So as funny as this image is of the, uh, the, the guy and his babes, I don't expect this show to be good. However, if it's a parody of other shows, yeah, it might be okay. Yeah, you never know. Really, the most interesting fact I found about this is uh, I dug back into Get Smart a little bit, and I didn't realize that the other co-creator of Get Smart was Mel Brooks. The guy's had his finger in a lot of pies. That doesn't surprise me now that you say it, though. Yeah, and, uh, and unfortunately, this is the, the version that I found. This was the most recent upload of this show in the highest quality, but then when I just clicked on it earlier... They uh, committed here, I'll show you. This is a, this is like a sin of video editing. Whoever did this is a bad person. See how it's cut off? So they made the show widescreen because nowadays TV is widescreen, but TV in 1977 was not meant to be widescreen. And sometimes you can, you can do this if a show was shot on film. Sometimes they, well, I mean, I don't know, it depends. Like they, they did that with Buffy the Vampire Slayer because they had widescreen raw footage but because it wasn't intended to be widescreen you can see stuff in the corner sometimes that's not supposed to be there you can see like lights and setup (laughs) you know where in this case there is no extra information all the guy did whoever made these this particular pirated copy of quark is he just chopped off the top and the bottom to make it look like widescreen like that's not helping guy that's you're just you've just destroyed the show you know it doesn't why does it need to be widescreen so anyway uh, well let's watch the show and see if he really did destroy it because maybe he didn't maybe there wasn't enough substance there anyway yeah i'm sure it doesn't really matter but i mean for example i mean maybe just because i'm a bit of a video nerd but see how close this guy's face is yeah like mm-hmm. he's not supposed to this is not supposed to be an extreme close-up he's not supposed to take up the whole frame <laughs> yeah right because even his chin got knocked off here and yeah. at the top of his head too come to think of it look his hair's gone too. So amateur move, whoever did that. That's uh, that's not how it's supposed to be. But yeah, for our purposes, who cares? We're just watching a couple episodes. It doesn't really matter. But I just thought I'd point that out for the video nerds out there. They know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's like, you're not supposed to do that. You don't need to fake widescreen. It doesn't matter. Everything in the world doesn't need to be widescreen. But all right, Quark episode one and episode eight. I think these two, if you want to watch along, I believe they're in an unmolested format on YouTube. So I guess we could just watch those and I could quit my belly aching, but whatever, these are the ones I got. This is what we're gonna watch. Look at that thing, it looks like an egg curtain. All right, so we only watched episode one, but uh, I know a losing hand when I see one. <laughs> you know, even if that's not getting off to the greatest start or uh, or whatever, maybe it gets a little better. I mean, if that show got a hundred times better, it still wouldn't be worth mm. watching. Yeah. <laughs> so first off, we jumped ship on that weird version I downloaded that was cut because we went and checked against the YouTube version. 
And yeah, like, uh, I mean, four by three, it's essentially square. At least a third of the screen was missing to make it widescreen. I mean, that's a separate topic that has nothing to do with this show. But whoever did that, bad, bad on you. So we watched it on YouTube instead, because that's insane. You just couldn't see anything. Uh, well, I meant to mention at the start that there's uh, this video game from when I was a kid called Space Quest. And the whole joke is that you're a janitor on this space station. You're the least interesting person. And uh, the game starts with uh, your ship got invaded by aliens but the reason you're still alive is because you were slacking off at your job and you were asleep in the janitor closet so seeing this i'm like yeah, i wonder if the space quest guys because that came out in the 80s if they were inspired by this guy being a space garbage man and i couldn't find any information if there is anything it could just be coincidence but if this did inspire space quest it's the one good thing this show did because <laughs> i mean it was just I mean, that laugh track was working overtime. Yeah, that it was slow, slow moving, no real plot, except that I guess at the end we realized that because they survived, they are now going to scan the universe for garbage. And there's so few characters. So there's five people on the ship, two of which are just the twins, which uh, of all of them, I'm most okay with the twins because they uh, looked them up too. They were in like double mint Wrigley's commercials and stuff. They do their job of being hot twins. But besides them, just a cranky old uh, scientist guy on back at HQ, there was uh, some people, administrators, that talked to them. But it was certainly weird where one of the characters uh, was called a transmute, and he has both male and female chromosomes, which basically just means he goes from being a tough guy to acting like a small girl, I guess. What was extra weird about that especially us now being in a society that's a lot more aware of like transgender people and stuff, is that was the one time, maybe this was just coincidence, I might be looking into this too much, but that laugh track, it was dying laughing at every stupid thing that happened. But when they were describing that guy, and they described like, well, that's why he acts that way, because he's uh, born with both the chromosomes. There's nothing wrong with it or whatever. And the creepy old uh, scientist guy goes, yeah, but would you want your daughter or your son to marry one? And it was dead quiet there was no laugh and it's like what the hell was that you know (laughs) know. the whole thing was very strange and somewhat uncomfortable but the only that's like the only idea in this show is that maybe it's not okay to not be a clearly defined gender like yikes (laughs) that's not putting its best foot forward and yeah basically even if it gets better i just can't I can't imagine, like, none of those characters are funny. I can't even envision how they ever could be funny. The uh, special effects were awful. Like, I criticize Star Wars sometimes, but when I see Star Wars contemporaries, I know it was a movie and this is a TV show, but everything else is so much worse than Star Wars. It does make you appreciate that even if Star Wars has its problems, man, the special effects were better than everything else at the time. Because everything looked like crap. All of the little... uh, spaceships and stuff just look like unpainted toys they did nothing to make them look like they were real spaceships yeah as i was saying even as we were watching quark like if you've got this tiny cast on this ship they got to do a lot of heavy lifting or like like with gilligan's island how in the gilligan's island pilot they hadn't quite nailed it yet but then when they finally did put out real gilligan's island they kind of had it nailed because like you're on the island no one else is coming these characters have to be interesting or for any sitcom really but this is a similar situation you're on this spaceship you're off in the far reaches of wherever no one else is going to be on your ship probably they like i I don't know it's just weird it's like how did you think this was gonna 
this was going to work, <laughs> that this was going to be the show. Considering what was being produced in the 1970s in the sci-fi world, it didn't even try to come up to it. And you can't just pass yourself off as, well, I'm just a joke, I'm just a parody of things. You still got to put a little bit of effort into it. Yeah, it kind of made me think of one of the reasons why I was never a big Star Wars fan is because as a kid, I saw Spaceballs like 50 times before I ever saw Star Wars. So when I finally saw Star Wars, it's like, oh, this is just Spaceballs with no jokes. But Spaceballs was exactly this. It was a, a sci-fi comedy that, in fact, had Mel Brooks in it. But it was awesome in and of itself. Like, it was still a really good adventure movie that had jokes. Where, yeah, this, this Quark show is just not a good show. <laughs> and, yeah, especially if this had been, I don't know, maybe the 50s. Maybe you could explain it more or, like, give it more of a pass. But Star Trek already happened. 10 years before this and now this is what they're putting on and i know it's different because one's a comedy but yeah you can't just hide behind comedy particularly if it's not funny <laughs> you know that's pretty brutal what i think we should do instead of watching another episode is because this is by the get smart guy i did grab an episode of get smart what do you say instead of watching oh, sure sure i watched a lot of get smart when i was growing up yeah, so instead of watching another Quark, let's just watch the first episode of Get Smart. <laughs> see, and you'll see in Get Smart, there are really well-defined characters which really have an important role to play. Because not just Get Smart, but, oh, his girlfriend there. Uh, Agent 99. Agent 99 and the chief. The chief is very notable in Get Smart. So let me just pull up some Get Smart info. Get Smart is an American comedy television series parodying the secret agent genre that had become widely popular in the first half of the 1960s with the release of the James Bond films. It uh, started in 1965, ran for five seasons, 138 episodes, and yeah, like I said, it was this guy who made Quark, Buck Henry, but also Mel Brooks, and uh, I was a little surprised to learn it wasn't actually necessarily their idea. It was that the network, you know, was like, hey man, James Bond is big business right now. NBC said, can you make us a spy show? And Mel Brooks was like, yes, I enjoy money. And <laughs> they made this. And yeah, like, again, I haven't seen this in forever, but, but again, that's the difference, I guess, is these shows, we found that kind of often in this podcast as we go through stuff. If a show had a short run and was forgotten, a la It's About Time, it's about space. It's about time. <laughs> Let me just get that in everyone's head. There's probably a reason. Like, there's a reason why my generation never heard of it and it never, it didn't last. Where a show like Gilligan's Island or Get Smart, I have seen because they did last into the 80s. And there was even a, uh, a reboot, I didn't know about this, a reboot of Get Smart in 1995 that was still uh, Don Adams and Barbara Feldon. They were both in it both the original actors <laughs> and they don't look that much older really they aged pretty well but it, it didn't last very long but but I mean yeah like this show it's just gonna be better it just is better <laughs> you know so well I'll say one little thing right now uh on a this is on a personal note when I was teaching high school before I went to law school in the this would be the mid-1970s there was a certain, of course, my last name is Smart. All right. Uh, there was a certain, because some kids in that high school always called me Agent 99. And your name's Barbara as well, like Barbara <laughs> Feldon, so you really are... Yeah, I really nailed it, eh? Yeah. This is actually making me think of, I mean, maybe we'll watch it next week. Uh, what was the uh, Diana Rigg show, The Avengers? The Avengers. Yeah, which oh, was... Yeah. British. 
and more serious, right? Oh yes, it's it, yeah. It would be worthwhile watching an Avenger or two. Yeah, maybe we'll we'll curve our way through. I mean, maybe this was a bad idea anyway, because the whole reason um, Random Lad brought up the Quark was because we went through that phase of watching '70s space shows. But they were all bad. None of them were good. <laughs> so <laughs> I probably shouldn't have steered us back into this lane. But yeah, let's steer out. Let's steer out into Get Smart. And next week we'll watch the Avengers. We'll get into the spy world instead of uh, the space world. Speaking of espionage shows, though, if we do the Avengers, um, there's also The Man from Uncle. Yeah, I've never seen The Man from Uncle. So I've, it's just one of those. Well done. Well done. It's another one that should be checked out. Yeah, because again, I've heard the name and I don't know anything about it. So yeah, we'll add that to the docket too. So this will, sorry, sorry, you got uh, destroyed on our sacrificial altar, Quark. But uh, first off, you brought it upon yourself, and second, you got us into <laughs> into a nice spy vein. So you did your job. All right, get smart, season one, episode one. From oh, look at that, September eighteenth, nineteen sixty-five. It was my birthday minus. Several years. <laughs> 14 or 15. 14 years. Wrong number. Wrong number. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that is uh, extremely better. That is <laughs> miles better. Yeah, like I noticed, uh, you know, we are already starting to laugh, so just I uh, checked the time code. Not even two minutes in, we were already cracking up at this show. <laughs> Whereas it just never happened with the other one. Classic show. That's kind of cool, too, because I think this is a similar situation to Gilligan's Island, where all the ones that they reran, or uh, Beverly Hillbilly, same thing. By the time I was watching these shows in reruns, they had just kind of... Uh, taken the black and white ones out of the rotation because nobody in the 80s wanted to watch black and white shows which sounds shallow but they're probably right as a kid I probably wouldn't have watched a black and white show but uh but it's cool because I've never seen one of the black and white episodes and I actually even like this show better in black and white it just feels like it fits better with the spy motif and it gives it this classic kind of cool feeling it's the same with Gilligan's Island the early Gilligan's are in black and white and it's the same feel of these shows are so successful when you look back at them because of the time that they were done. And uh, black and white TV was still a big thing in people's houses in the middle 1960s. I mentioned, like uh, earlier I had mentioned the, the Man from Uncle. same thing. I don't know if they finished up in color, but the originals, I believe, were in black and white. Yeah, and I think the black and white, it just kind of looks... I don't know, I guess it's because uh, when they first switched to color, I mean, I guess they just didn't, you know, it was new technology, they had to work with it, but color balancing and lighting and scene composition yada yada there's a million things about it that got tougher where black and white just looks good it is so hard to not film something well in black and white black and white just looks awesome well and everything in like background is much more intense because you're only seeing it in like black and white and possibly shades of gray whereas in color color has a tendency to detract it's not as sharp as and even uh the little tiny clip we watched a little bit of the color version from season three just to contrast and it just it makes it look more like sets like if you just have kind of those weird colors too in the late 60s early 70s like uh, blue paisley walls or whatever that you know just weird colors they just look like sets where in black and white it just it really makes everything look more like a real place 
that first episode too, I don't I don't remember if the others are as well defined as that one, but that had a whole lot of action in it. Outdoor scenes, the Statue of Liberty, out in the bay, street scenes. Um, they really went overboard in scene changes in that. That must have cost quite a bit of money to produce that very first show. Well, that's an interesting thing too, is that idea of the uh, the first scene of the first episode, you know, where you've really got to, like, this is your best chance to to hook an audience. It's only going to go down from there. And Quark's first scene was space show, intense, gotta get a thing. Oh, I'm just getting a bag of garbage from outer space. Like that was their opening gambit. Where this one was the phone being in the shoe. So much better. <laughs> ringing know? and ringing. Yeah. Ringing in the opera or whatever show he was at. And of course, everybody is looking because he's interrupting the show and he's got to sneak out and well, that's where I really feel like uh, like you can feel the Mel Brooks. Because there's both shows were very dumb, but the Mel Brooks style of dumbness is like smart dumbness. Like, why would you have a super hidden shoe phone that no one would ever know that you have a secret phone on you if it loudly rings? <laughs> why doesn't it just vibrate on his foot or something? It makes no sense. It's just, it's just ridiculous, <laughs> but in a funny way. Or... Uh, the cone of silence. He's talking to his superior and like they don't want anyone to overhear their spy plans. Shouldn't we bring down the cone of silence? And they just bring down this big plexiglass yeah. thing and they can't hear each other in the cone of silence. <laughs> yeah, because there's no talking in between the cones. It's two separate bubbles. Like it just makes no sense. It's just dumb. And for the next two minutes, they can't understand what each other is saying. And they're like, let's just get rid of the cone of silence. Like that's such a Mel Brooks joke of like, it's so dumb that it loops back around to even, being clever. Even the opening credits catch you because he arrives at, at Control. He has to go down these stairs. He goes through a hallway. He goes through n any number of doors. He ends up in a phone booth, and then the phone booth descends into a lower level. Even that catches your interest, like, right off the top. You're like, look at all this crap this guy's got to go through just to get to the office. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely but a part of it. But it catches you. It grabs you right from the beginning. Yeah, like beyond the jokes, it's also, like you said, it has actual action scenes and stuff. But yeah, it's just got like the neat gadgets and the, you know, like Q making him stuff. And just, just the whole uh, world of his weird spy organization is just fun on that level. It's just interesting, like what neat little thing is going to happen. And each of the characters are so well-defined. I mean, as soon as you meet... The chief. He is the chief. He could not be confused with anybody else. 99, of course, is beautiful girl who... <laughs> Which there's another thing. It takes him 15 minutes to realize, wait a minute, <laughs> until she takes <laughs> off her hat and has long hair. You're, you're a woman. <laughs> and of course, then he's got to get do the kiss scene. <laughs> yeah, right. Because that's what all spies do when they meet up with beautiful girls. Yeah, like, what was that? No, James Bond, his license, I guess, is just to kill, but... Yeah, I guess he has no specific license for sleeping with women. He just does. Yeah, that's definitely a spy trope. Uh, I was thinking, too, that, uh, I, I mean, I don't think I've heard Don Adams speak in 25 years. You know, I haven't watched this since I was a kid. But, man, as soon as he starts talking, it's like, oh, yeah, nobody sounds like that guy. Like, his delivery is Very so... Very distinctive voice. Yeah. And, of course, they have to do the big joke. Mr. Big, of course, is the tiny little, that cute little, <laughs> <laughs> the cute little dwarf. Even that, though, like, yeah, like, even jokes like that that they probably wouldn't make nowadays where the one in Quark was so uncomfortable and strange about the transmute, where this is somewhat similar, where 
you know, it's sort of uh, out of favor now to just for the joke to be that a guy is a short guy. But they even did that better because he offers them a drink and they're like, no, no. But then he's like, well, how about I have this fancy tobacco from Germany? Gives them a tiny cigarette, which yeah, that's, again, just Mel Brooks dumbness. But what I thought made that joke go, again, beyond being dumb into clever is since it's this little tiny cigarette, Agent Smart only gets to take... One puff. If even, like half a puff. <laughs> One puff. And the cigarette's done. He's like, ah, that was, that was great. <laughs> yeah. Like that little extra bit of... That's, I guess, what I get the feeling of with this show, is it seems like a lot of thought was put into it, all the dumb jokes. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't just dumb because it was dumb. It was, like, purposefully dumb. Yeah, very, very clever. Oh, and even the fact that the little boy, with he, he knew the code word, the Mets, I forget what it was, Mets yeah, it one was or Mets, something. Mets uh, winning a doubleheader. And uh, and it's it, in the newspaper, and the little boy mentions it, and, uh, and Smart immediately presumes that he's 99. But if anything, I, that was the one part I was a little surprised about, is that he mistakes the kid for being age 99, but the, it only lasts for 30 seconds. I expected that to go on. I thought, like, like real Agent 99 would show up while he was still trying to pretend the kid was the agent. I was a little surprised how quickly that one, that one stopped. But, but they also had totally unexpected things in there, like uh, Agent 37 or whoever he was who was hiding out in the lockers. And uh, he's going to foil chaos, and he slams the guy in the face, and you think, okay, well, that's the end of him. But no, that's not the end. No, he's got to open up the bottom of the lockers and drag him in. Right. Yeah, like it's it's a fun world. Where where I, One thing I noticed I didn't bring up when we were watching Quark, but because, uh, again, it's just a hallmark of all those 70s uh, sci-fi shows, is annoying sounds. You know, it's like, all right, we're going to be on a fake-looking spaceship with a big boxy robot, and he's going to be making obnoxious beeps. And every time an alien shows up, it goes, and like it's just, it's just an annoying place to be. <laughs> where the Get Smart scenario is a cool place to be, <laughs> where fun, weird stuff happens. And like, even if it wasn't haha funny, something visually interesting was going to happen, or some quirky typical, idea. Typical, as you said before, typical Mel Brooks, where he throws things out there in the comedic line that are totally unexpected and that's but they're unexpected but you say yeah that fits in here but it is totally unexpected because you'd never think of it yourself that's like there's a scene in Spaceballs where Rick Moranis plays Darth Vader but he's Darth Helmet he just has a huge helmet and they can't figure out where the rebels are so again this is just Mel Brooks weirdness that only Mel Brooks would do so they're like how are we going to figure out where they are so they go into their giant spaceship has a, a video store and they get the Spaceballs movie from the video store and they just fast forward further into the movie than we are to see what's going to happen. And it's like only Mel Brooks would do that. That's so weird. And you feel that all over Get Smart where I think, yeah, I think he, uh, you can really feel that he wasn't there for the, the other show. You know what that also made me think of? Maybe before we do Avengers and Man from Uncle, maybe to ease us in through spy comedy for one more before we get into the more serious shows. The one thing Get Smart I felt was kind of lacking. It made me think of the Naked Gun movies. And before that, they were based on a show called uh, Police Squad, where extremely similar, except what Police Squad did is nonstop verbal jokes. Every single sentence is like a joke on top of what other jokes are happening. And I feel like that's the kind of thing I bet Mel Brooks saw that 
you know, down the road and was like, oh, that's an extra layer I didn't think of because that's the only thing that Get Smart was missing. Where it's like ludicrous in uh, in those shows. It just won't stop. I know. know. And, and they're not good. Like they're deliberately corny, but it's just like, surely you can see that this plan isn't going to work. I can't see that at all. And don't call me Shirley. Like it's all <laughs> crap like that, but it's so relentless that it becomes funny. So I thought maybe uh, we could watch a Police Squad episode. Okay. And, okay. Then, and then we'll get into the uh, the less jokey ones. But, uh, you know, uh, I would like to solemnly, uh, at this funeral for, for the TV show Quark, yeah. I would like to... <laughs> Quark to rest. <laughs> yeah. You know, hey, sure, maybe you uh, left a horribly mangled corpse, but uh, you led us back to the beauty of Get Smart. So uh, thank you for that. We appreciate your service. <laughs>